Hey friend, I'm Michael McCurry and this is Bible Tract Echoes. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to bend the rules a little bit? What we call that oftentimes situational ethics, where we change what we believe depending on the circumstances we are in. It seldom ever works out. There is pleasure in sin for a season, but it's always going to bite you in the end. Let me encourage you, don't succumb to the temptation for situational ethics. If by some chance you've ever thought it would be a good idea, Dr. Paul Levine is going to be coming on. That's the next voice you are going to hear on this radio program because a blast from the past, the founder of our ministry, is going to give us the fourth installment of this incredible message he preached decades ago that still rings so true today. Listen in. No, you don't have to blame other people. You don't have to blame them at all. That's what he's doing. He did something else, trying to cover up his sin by bluffing and blaming, and then he tried to cover up his sin by lying. He told a big barefaced lie, young people, in verse 13. Blessed be thou of the Lord. <laughs> he says to the preacher, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He had neither. He had neither. He's lying. He's lying about it. Hey, you ever lie to your parents about where you've been? You ever lie to your parents about whom you're with? You think you can lie, and because your parents didn't catch you, it's smart? God's already caught you. And he'll lower the boom on you after a while. And you'll get that smirk off of your face, and it won't be so funny. Lying is one of the sins that God hates. God killed a man and his wife right in church one time for lying. You read about it in the book of Acts. Ananias and Sapphira. They lied, and God said, I've had enough of this lying business, and I'm going to let everybody once and for all and forever know what I think about lying, and I'll show you, and bang, he killed them both. No, God hates lying. Every time you cheat on an exam, you're a liar. But that lie is on your record in glory. That lie you'll have to face in judgment someday. And Saul's a king, and he ought to have more brains than the lie. Good night. A man who's a king? Why, he didn't even have sense enough to keep from lying about it, so he lied about it. Guys lie to their wives. Wives lie to their husbands. People lie to the police. People lie on the income tax reports. Oh, they're lying all the time. Hoover, former, former uh, FBI director Hoover, said this. He said, there's one thing common about all criminals. They're all liars. They may not all be drunkards. They might all not all be hopheads. But every criminal he said that he ever had anything to do with was a liar. And if you are a chronic liar, look at the company you're in. And besides, the Bible says, all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But he told a big barefaced lie. He lied about it. Then he did one more thing to try to cover up his sin of incomplete obedience. He used what we call situation ethics. Now, let me explain that. Here's something that the Bible very plainly says is wrong. But somebody says, now, in my case, it's not wrong. See, in my situation, it's not wrong. Don't you know the Bible says it's wrong? Yeah, I know the Bible says it's wrong. But in this situation, it's not wrong. That's situation ethics. That's forming your standards according to the situation instead of according to the Scripture. Now, what was the situation ethics here? Well... 
See, they had some animals. They were forced to kill all the animals. But um, the king, the Bible says the king and the people, but the king was in on it, saved some of the animals. And they said, we'll use these animals in sacrifice to the Lord. That sounds real good. That sounds religious. But see, that's disobedience because God wanted those animals killed. He didn't want them, he didn't want them to be offered to him as a sacrifice. But that was the excuse they gave. They said, we'll save the animals. And in this situation, it was all right to save the animals because, you see, we're going to use the animals as a sacrifice to God. That's situation ethics. You say, how does that work today? Well, it's like this. Uh, for example, uh, here's a person that says, you know, I'm going to marry that unsaved boy. <clears throat> we are. Even though God says you can't. Yep. I don't care what my dad says and my mother says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God says. I don't care what the church says. I got an unsaved boy. I'm going to marry him. Lady, you're crazy. You marry that unsaved guy. You are about to utterly destroy yourself. And you say, well, now, wait a minute, Brother Paul. I know the Bible says be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But you see, in, in our situation, it'll be all right. It will. Why? Well, because we love each other. Oh, is that it? You think that in your case, it's different. No. When God says don't do something, he means don't do it. No matter what the situation is, you don't do it. Well, you say, this young fellow loves me. Well, are you sure? Are you sure he's going to love you as much after you get married as you, as you think he loves you now? I know a couple that everywhere they went, he had his armor on her. This is before they were married. In fact, he not only had his armor on her, he had a half Nelson on her. Running neck. And she, she could, she, her head was off to one side like a snared bird. And she couldn't even walk. And they'd walk down the sidewalk and she'd have to walk like this because he had that half Nelson on her, you know. And I bet she said to herself, isn't this wonderful? He loves me so much. Oh, me. Everywhere we go, he's got his arm around me. And as soon as we sit down, he got his arm around me again. Isn't this wonderful? We're going to get married. And we'll be married for about 50 years. And that means not for the next 50 years. Every time we go somewhere, he'll have his arm around me with a half Nelson, and I'll have to walk like this for 50 years now because he loves me so much. You know something? I was in that home not very long after they were married. And I, the door was like over here. My wife and I were seated on a sofa here, and his little bride was sitting over there. He came in the door, kind of came home from work, walked in, saw his pretty little bride over there. Oh, man. He said, you have to excuse me. Uh, you Levine's old, you have to excuse me. That's my tutti-wutti over there. Oh, boy. And he rushed over there, grabbed her, gave her a big kiss and hugged her and gave her that half nelson. Do you think he did that? No, he didn't. Well, good night. They'd been married in months. See? What do you think? No, he didn't bother with her. He, he had her now. He just came barging in, saw her over there, never said a word, just kept right on going, went on out in the kitchen looking for something to eat. I wish he'd have gone over there and given her a big kiss. Hey, by the way, did you folks see the picture of when Reagan kissed Nancy before she went overseas on that trip? How many saw that? A few of you saw that? Oh, that was, that was beautiful. Uh, the president and his wife were smooching. Right out there in front of the TV cameras. And it was real nice. 
Oh, it, it wasn't the way they do it on television. Remember that. Some of you folks were, how many, anybody here was not here the other morning when I was telling you about how they kissed on television? You weren't here? Raise your hand. I got to tell you. They don't kiss now like they used to. They, back in the old days, they, if they kissed somebody, they just pucker up and go, you know. But they don't do that. You watch television now. Now when they're going to kiss somebody, instead of puckering up, they open their mouths as wide as they can. And they open up their mouths and they go, ah. And then they got a universal joint in their neck, so they grab each other. <laughs> Look, looked like a couple of uh, alligators trying to eat each other's tonsils out. They looked like they're going to eat each other to death, you know. But when Reagan kissed Nancy, it was beautiful. Put, her, put his arms around her. She put her arms around him, and they gave each other a few good smooches. <laughs> Boy, you know, that, that was really, I like that from the president. Don't you? I like that from the president. By the way, do you kids ever see your mom and dad standing in the middle of the living room with their arms around each other, giving each other a couple of big smooches? How many have ever seen that? Oh, good. Boy. When you walk in the kitchen and there's your mom and dad smooching with each other and kissing, and you walk in, don't get nervous. Just say, amen, go to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not the way this young husband did it. And girls, you, you... don't know for sure that they're going to love you as much after they get married as you think they do before they're married. And that goes for the boys, too. I had a young fellow come to me one of the weeks here at camp, told me the sad and tragic story of his marriage, how his in-laws have interfered all the time in the marriage, and the marriage is breaking up, and he came home early from work one day. Here, the mother was in the home. Why didn't she stay home where she belonged and let the kids get and married kids live their own lives and get along. But here she came over there and she was helping the young wife pack all her stuff and, and here this young husband comes home and here mother-in-law and his wife packing up and she's getting ready to leave. Only been married uh, maybe two or three months. You don't know that just because you walk down a marriage aisle and stand before a preacher and say the marriage vows that that's going to mean heaven on earth for you the rest of your life. You don't know that. No, sir. There's an old saying that says, if you have more horse sense before you get married, you have fewer nightmares afterwards. <laughs> Some people think that getting married just like going through a cafeteria. You pick out what looks good and then you pay later. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of them have found it out. Be mighty sure that boy, that girl is saved and living for God and loves God. And don't take any chances. Oh, but you say, it's all right for me to marry that unsaved girl, that unsaved boy, or that backslidden boy, or that backslidden girl. Ah, he's, he's saved. Oh, he cusses a little and drinks a little wine and smokes a little. But he's a nice guy. Oh, he doesn't stay for church on Sunday morning, runs home from Sunday school. But he's saved, and we're going to get married and uh, going to have a happy married life. You better be careful. You better obey God all the way, young people. For your good, do it. See? Situation ethics. It's going to work out for us because we love each other. You better be sure about that love business. Friend, let me encourage you. 
Don't take chances. You may think you can get away with sin just this one time, but it's amazing how the just this one time circumstance, how it's that little bit of cheese on the lever and whap, it gets you. You ever seen a mouse kick for just a little while after getting caught in that trap? It's not a pretty picture, is it? You say, that's a little gruesome for a radio program. Can I tell you, sin has some gruesome results, and I don't want to see you fall prey to it. Don't take chances. My prayer, as always, is that you have a great day for his glory. You're going to want to hear the last part of this message by Dr. Paul Levine tomorrow on the broadcast. Thank you so very much for listening. Join us tomorrow on Bible Tract Echoes. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.